are listening to True Crime Twins, a true crime podcast hosted by Chloe and Melina Cantor. True Crime Twins is distributed by Glassbox Media and is part of the Crawlspace Media family. Previously on True Crime Twins. So I was scrolling through social media one night and I found an unidentified image of a woman. And you know, you're just scrolling along and you're like, never seen her, never seen her. Cause that's the whole point of looking. You're looking at these Jane Doe's. You're looking at the missing persons to see, does that face look familiar to me? I stop because the face that I see is mine. And it is obviously mine. And I'm like, what? So I click on it and it's the Finley Creek Jane Doe. And I'm like, that's so weird. It looks just like me. A five foot three Caucasian female, white, between 15 and 24, wearing red pants and a white blouse. That's my mother. That's what she was wearing when she left. And they perfectly just described my mother. I'm mapping it out. It's three hours, three and a half hours from Lewiston in the woods. And I'm like, this is my mom. How how did they miss this? Like, how did he miss a missing person who's wearing the same damn clothes, exact same description, and she's this close to us? This doesn't make sense. Welcome back to True Crime Twins, where we use our occupational and educational backgrounds in criminology and medicine to tell you crime stories. I'm Chloe, here with Melina to bring you part two of our coverage into the disappearance of Patricia Lee Otto in 1976 out of Lewiston, Idaho. For more context into this case, please listen to part one of this series. Today, we continue our conversation with Patricia's daughter and advocate, Suzanne Timms. In this interview, we mainly focus on Suzanne's discovery of the sketch of a Jane Doe that was discovered in Finley Creek in Oregon. Her belief that this Doe is her mother and the critical errors made by authorities in Oregon in regards to their investigation. So when I'm reaching out to Finley Creek, reaching out to For the Missing Pacific Northwest to ask them how they ruled my mom out, and they said Oregon did. Oregon ruled her out. That opened a whole new investigation between Finley Creek Task Force and us because Patty Otto's not mentioned anywhere in the Family Creek homicide case. Now that homicide file is huge. It's 44 pages long and it's this big, a homicide file. So you can look through it in about 20 minutes and figure out that Patty is not listed in there on one page. Why? If she's a rule out and she was a perfect match, why is she not listed in there? So we bring it to the Oregon medical examiner. Please explain how my mother was ruled out when she fits this description and the clothing matches what she was wearing. What did you use to rule her out? And they said, the x-rays don't match. Well, let's do it again. Let's take a look at the x-rays. That's a great idea. Let's look at it again. Maybe there was a mistake on the x-rays. Idaho can't find an x-ray for my mom. And Oregon never had an x-ray for Family Creek. So what the hell did they compare? How did they do this comparison? So I'm then taking... The photos that Mel is giving me and the photos of my mother, and we're doing comparisons between the two, 
and I can line up on the autopsy the photos of the teeth with my mother's driver's license image, tooth by tooth by tooth. It's the same damn woman. You literally look like that sketch of Finley Creek Jane Doe animated. That's even what the artist said when he met me in person. He's like, it looks like my drawing is talking. Like I literally look like Finley Creek talking. And if you put mom and I together, it's funny that I never thought I looked like my mother because I've never heard that. I've never heard somebody say, you look so much like your mother, not once in my life. So then I take mom's image and my image and put them side by side. And I'm like, well, no wonder I look like the unidentified woman. I look like my mother. And I had no idea. I just never even considered. I cannot explain why. My best guess was probably just that it was a forbidden subject. And you probably viewed her negatively at the time because you felt so hurt and abandoned that you don't want to see yourself in someone that that hurt you. But once that perspective changed, that changed too. You really do look just like her. Thank you. I don't think that's a bad thing anymore. I don't take offense to that and be like, well, you tell me I look like a terrible mother. I look like somebody who'd walk out on my family and just say, I don't want to be a mom today. I'm going to leave. No. So as far as then social media, we did not have any kind of page for my mother. We didn't have any kind of presence. There was no search for my mother. There was no campaign for my mother. There was no media presence as far as the newspaper ads that were run after she disappeared. There was one article on September 8th that let people know that there was suspicious circumstances. And then my father took over the media. She's not mentioned again until 1997 when we do a follow-up with my sister and I, and we're saying, She's been missing since 1976, and it's now 1997. Anybody remember Patty Otto? You guys remember she, she turned up missing in this town? Why is there no poster, billboard? Why was there no search to go look for her? Why wasn't there a search around our property at home? So getting social media involved, we were able to reach, I mean, we've reached people all the way to you guys. You're on the East Coast, right? So having that Facebook page and reaching out to the true crime community and saying, look, I've had a missing mother who I believe I found her. And because her case was so forgotten and because these cases get so little attention, Oregon cremated her and lost her. There is no chance of us identifying her. I'm never going to be able to close this. I'm never going to be able to get that for sure. Yes, because Oregon said nobody's looking and obviously nobody cares. So let's just get rid of this case. Shh quiet and it'll go away. I'm not going away quietly. I've been quiet long enough. I'm glad that you're doing this. It's extremely important. And I know that it might feel alienating at times, especially because you're going against something that was drilled into you from age three, but it's amazing. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. I don't know how Oregon could have justified what they did with Finley Creek, but I know that it is not an isolated thing. It seems like people screw up on these doe cases so often. And it's that mindset that you said, oh, nobody cares about her. Nobody's looking for her. So she just doesn't matter. Let's just forget it. So they cremated her and then what lost the cremains? Lost them. They have documentation that she went out to the crematorium on July of 1990. And then nobody noticed that she never came back. So until Finley Creek Task Force starts poking into it saying, where are they now? By law, you have to fill out a death certificate. You have to enter the crimean. There's no death certificate. 
there is no entered document saying she was entered into this cemetery or that her cremains exist here. There is no documentation. She simply goes for cremation and then disappears again. She just disappears. There's no trace of her. But what they did find is the coroner has been sitting on a box of cremains that they know are more than 40 years old because it's a huge box of cremains. And nowadays they go through the pulverizer, so they're much smaller. So they have this huge box of cremains and it's labeled miscellaneous cremains. And it's from the place that she went to for cremation. And when they sold that funeral home to a new owner, they said, somebody never came pick this up. It's a miscellaneous John Doe. Nobody ever came and got them. There are no John Doe's in Walla Walla. There are no Jane Doe's in Walla Walla. There are no unidentified people in Walla Walla. So that box has to be Finley Creek Jane Doe. And the reason it's labeled miscellaneous cremains is because when she left Oregon from that funeral home to go get cremated, it was labeled miscellaneous remains because it's the woman and the baby. There's a fetus in there. Where is that box now? With Richard Greenwood, the coroner here in Walla Walla where I live. Is there any way that they can connect it back once it's cremains? We are doing DNA testing on the cremains because I'm obviously, I'm not going to give up. And I'm like, if there's a box there and there's a chance to get DNA off of it, We've contracted with a lab in Lakehead University in Canada because no U.S. lab has been successful pulling DNA off cremation, but we're just going to keep trying because, you know, you've seen Othram has had nine attempts on one, and I'm like, nine? How many times do we do it before you give up? I mean, do you just keep going 20 times and you finally get lucky? I don't know, but I will. Do you think that your father told anybody the truth while he was still alive? That night, what we discovered through reading the police reports is that he called a friend and it was about one in the morning and he said, I need help. I've done something really bad. And his friend is like, Ralph, I've been drinking. I'll come over in the morning. And my dad was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to call somebody else. So he hangs up and he does call a second friend. Second friend is like, it's freaking one 30 in the morning, whatever it is, whether you got in a bar fight, you need bail, whatever, call me in the morning. Funny thing is, my dad never mentioned to either of those friends what he needed that night. He also never let them know that my mom was missing. He didn't ask them, you see Patty? I know she babysat for you. Did she show up there? You seen her? No. It just was never discussed again. And again, we're reading this in the police report that, wait, he called two friends. Both said no. Was the third time the charm? Who was the third person? Who helped a drunk man cover up a murder so well that he got away with it. A good friend. If you had the opportunity to talk to that person, what would you even say? I'm not wanting to prosecute somebody. I believe that they've lived in their own hell for participating in, you know, a cover-up of a murder. I'm not wanting anybody to go to jail for this because I just feel like 45 years of time in your own prison in your mind is enough. I would want anybody to just come forward and say, you know what? Suzanne has lost everything. And if I can give her this closure and allow her this piece to say, this is your mother, here's her remains, have a proper burial and close this chapter of your life, I would be forever grateful. Were efforts made to look into your mother's medical records to determine or confirm the pregnancy? Because they immediately ruled out Finley Creek Jane Doe by the teeth, they never even considered looking at her farther. So it looks like what happened is on September 1st, 
the Lewiston detective provides the x-ray and says, here's Patty's x-ray. Compare it to this Jane Doe that I believe is her. What I can see has happened is another body was found a month earlier in Portland, Oregon. I have been saying this whole time that I think they messed these two bodies up. I think the medical examiner got these two bodies mixed up. It's two skeletal remains, two Caucasian females. And it's really interesting that we finally got the dental records for the first Jane Doe. They match the second Jane Doe. How? Are they twins? They have the exact same teeth. They have the exact same fillings. Or did he just mess them up and be like, oh yeah, remember she had one, two, nine, 30, and 31, and he puts the same thing on both charts. Impossible. He has in his mind these two confused. So when he got that record for my mom, and my mom has these perfect teeth, my mom has perfect, beautiful teeth, he says, it can't be her. This body has like 15 fillings and unerupted wisdom teeth. You know, they hadn't even came out yet. So it can't be her. In the autopsy photos, you can see the erupted wisdom teeth. You can see He's thinking of the first body, not the second one. So they never then looked at her medical records thinking, oh, could it be her? It could be pregnant because they already think there was x-rays and they did the two x-rays, compared it. If they would have questioned why the teeth don't match, it would have been a red flag. But nobody questioned the medical examiner. And it's really interesting that we discovered litigation action against him after the fact for other unethical issues. It's not beyond comprehension that he's just not a very reliable source. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. I saw that you had posted, you had pictures of Finley Creek Jane Doe's grave where you could actually even see her clothing. I've never seen anything like that. Was that obtained through your connection with the task force? Well, yes, but it could have been from another source, too, because this is another interesting twist of the story. The grave was discovered in 1978 by hunters, elk hunters, who just stumbled upon the grave, right? Those hunters were from Milton Freewater, which is across the Oregon border. In 2008, I started dating that hunter's son, not having any connection, knowing that this family is the one that found this body. My current husband, that I'm married to right now, So when I'm reading about the Finley Creek Jane Doe and read of the hunters who discovered this body, I'm like, to my husband, Carrie, did your grandpa ever mention finding a body in 1978? My husband's an investigator. And he's like, okay, there's absolutely no way that my family found your mom's body and we just forgot to tell you, right? That's ridiculous. And I'm like, it says Lee Parr. That's your grandpa. Lee Parr is your grandpa in Milton Freewater. And Milton Freewater is a tiny town of 3,000 people there's not two Lee Pars in Milton Freewater, but his grandpa died in 2009. So I was like, well, I'm going to call your dad. If your grandpa found this body, maybe he mentioned it to your dad. So when I call my father-in-law, he's like, how do you know about that? I never told you about that. And I'm like, what do you know about it? And he described those freaking crime scene photos to a T because he was there as a child and saw it with his own eyes. And I'm like, There's no way. Him and I are both. There's no way. There is no way I am married into this family and that my father-in-law found this body. It's her. She's pulling me to her, pulling me to Walla Walla. I know I sound crazy when I say it. 
I know it sounds absurd and I believe that's why people don't think it's possible. Look at the freaking autopsy photos and look at my mother's teeth. I am not making this shit up. Look at the newspaper clipping. I can't go back to 1978 and make up who was there. It was Lee Parr and I am married to Lee Parr's grandson and Lee Parr had his son there. He was a child and that is my father-in-law. So he brought us back to the grave. He went up there on his own to make sure he could get to it, to the site. He went right to it, knows where it's at, remembered exactly where landmarks are at. So we took cadaver dogs out there and the dogs are alerting saying, there's still stuff out here. There's still stuff here. They just have to build an in and find it. I don't know if you've worked with cadaver dogs, but they'll alert that they're like, I'm close, I'm close, it's here. They have to lay down and give the final, it's right here. And when the dog finally gave the alert saying it's right there and we notified Oregon, Oregon's like, well, I don't know what you want us to do. It's a closed case. We have to get resources allocated to it. So we'll have to present this to OSP and figure this all out. That happened last fall. We're still waiting. And now we're waiting. We were supposed to go out last month, but there's too much snow. And now next weekend, we're supposed to go back to the grave to bring the dogs to say, if there's a hand out there, and I've now had to wait a whole nother year because Oregon closed the case and they couldn't allocate resources. And that hand got drug away. I'm not going to be very happy with Oregon. They need to step up right now and help you with this because there very well could be something. There could be a weapon. There could be something. DNA out there that could prove this. And they are dragging their feet because they're like, oh, shit. If this is really my mother... How are they going to explain this to the public? They ruled my mother out in 1978. Number two, they closed an unsolved homicide. Number three, they lost a pregnant woman in a homicide case. How is every missing persons case not going to be questioned when they're like, wait, did you do that with my mom? Did you do that with my daughter? Did you do that with my son too? Did my father get thrown away because he was taking up space on your evidence shelf? I mean, how many missing persons cases are there? 30,000? How many are treated like this? We have faith in our justice system thinking that they're doing their job and instead they just throw away a case so they're not bothered by it. This is not acceptable. I'll be up there with a sift for years to come just to find whatever I need to find. I'm not giving up. I do also want to point out, we didn't mention that the original detective on my mom's case is Tom Selene with the Lewiston Police Department. He's still alive, and this is his one case. You know how homicide detectives have that one that they carry till the end of their day. Tom had my mom's driver's license in his top drawer his whole career until he retired, and then he gave it to my grandmother. He's carried this case in his heart forever. So when I found this Finley Creek, I'm like, I'm going to reach out to Tom. I'm going to present this case to him and show him. Tom, look, when you first got that APB, you were going for the Portland Jane Doe. That's what you were going for the comparison for. And I show him the lineup of everything. And he says, there was only one Jane Doe. The one in Pendleton, there was only one. And he's looking at it and he's realizing in his mind, when he got the call on August 31st, he was already working this Portland Jane Doe. And they said she was being sent to Portland because that's where the medical examiner's at. Both bodies were sent to Portland. He's already sending his records and he's already doing this. That's the Portland Jane Doe that he was talking about. He was literally talking to the Multnomah County homicide detectives. And he's like, there was two. He's lining up his own dentists. He's getting his own people in Idaho. He's doing his own. While Lewiston Police Department has done nothing. 
this old retired detective is bending over backwards to help solve this. And he's not saying I'm crazy. He's saying there's been a huge mistake. He knew that was her. He knew the red pants Jane Doe was her. And he was right. It was. It is. It always has been. They finally just did an update last week. The Lewiston Morning Tribune finally did an update. And she just said, I'm so sorry. We've been so short-staffed. And I'm like, look, you can give me the excuse you were short-staffed. You have to go back to 1976. You should see my dad in the paper. Front page over and over and over. Almost every day he was in trial, it was a front page thing. And I'm like, fuck my father, okay? Fuck that. There's a missing mother. And you guys are so focused because, oh, he tried to kill one of your cops. Nobody died, all right? Get over it. Arrest him and move on. Right now we have a woman who could be chained up and possibly alive and nobody's even looking for her. It's such a brush off. We were short-staffed for 20 years. If they want to cover it, they're going to. And it's interesting because right after Lewiston ran it, I got an inmate from the Boise State Penitentiary who reached out to me. Someone that knew your dad? Yeah. And he's like, you know what's interesting is everybody thought he was in there for killing his wife. He never talked about the fact that he was in there for trying to kill a cop. Why wouldn't he brag about that? Seems like he would brag about, I'm here for trying to kill a cop. But everybody in prison thought he was there because he killed his wife. And then he's like, I never liked your dad. He was a bad person. And one time when I was climbing up a ladder, he kicked me in the head for no reason. And he'd be the nicest guy. And then he'd snap. Well, imagine that. That's exactly what I saw him snap. He's all nice and polite and sweet and throws money at you and lovey-dovey. And then you don't do what he wants you to do. I'm going to snap your neck. Was that the first wife experience too? Yeah. He was abusive to her too. The reason for divorce on that divorce certificate we found was extreme cruelty, but she denies it. She says he was a good husband. He denies it, but family saw the bruises, family saw choke marks, family saw it. And they were like, oh, he's horribly abusive to Joy. And she just doesn't want to admit it. Some people aren't as willing to share those behind closed doors, things that happen. And other people will share their dirty laundry to everybody like me. I will tell you all about it. I love my father. I want the world to know that I love my father and I forgive my father. And I think people may not understand that, but unless you've walked in my shoes, you can't understand my life unless you've walked in my shoes and I wouldn't want anybody to. Thank you for listening to part two of our coverage into the disappearance of Patricia Lee Otto. Stay tuned for next week when part three of this series will be released. We will be interviewing Mel, a founder of the Finley Creek Jane Doe Task Force. Thank you for listening to the True Crime Twins podcast. If you find our content informative and interesting, please leave us a five-star rating and review on your preferred podcast platform. You can follow us on social media at True Crime Twins Podcast on Instagram and at True Crime Twins on TikTok and Twitter. Please email us with questions, comments, or case suggestions at truecrimetwinspodcast at gmail.com.